The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in their attendance above him. Each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, Send me the word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts 
Set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you've been near a television or have seen a newspaper or a magazine this week, most of us, if not all of us, would be aware of the tornadoes that hit in the Midwest and the destruction that those tornadoes wreaked. And it's hard for me to conceive, even seeing the pictures of the destruction of those tornadoes in the Midwest, It's hard for me to really get my mind around what happened. Because from afar, we see pictures. If you're personally involved with something like that, it's got to be completely different. It would be so devastating. And I really believe as much as I see the pictures and as much as it affects me, it's not like being there. I mean, think about it. First of all, I hear things like, The tornado was a mile to two miles wide. I can't conceive of that. And that it had winds up to 200 miles an hour. I mean, if you think about it in some ways, what we see, like at the surface, would be like a bulldozer a mile wide going 200 miles an hour. It's hard to get my mind around that kind of destruction and the loss of life. It's hard for my mind to get around why two elementary schools? Why children? And see, if you get an answer to that question, it still doesn't satisfy because the destruction has happened and the lives have been lost. And we think sometimes when we say, why children, that that it doesn't really affect the ones who lost adult friends or family. Why one elementary school, children were spared, and another, children died? We don't know. We don't know. And any answer to why won't satisfy anyway, because the loss is still there. And my guess is, if you've lived long enough, you have had something shake your world. Some kind of personal loss. And if you think back over your own life and some of the events that have happened, some of the world events that have happened, you know, I think in part, when I think of destruction, as much as we see, like in Oklahoma City, this tornado and the destruction that it did, and we think back on the terrorist attack and the blowing up of the building there and what Oklahoma City has faced, it it doesn't even compare to a nuclear bomb being dropped. Not once, but twice. And the destruction and the loss of life. And once again, I can't get my mind around that. I remember reading that in history when I was a kid. And I remember seeing film clips of those mushrooms that come up after a nuclear bomb. And I remember as a kid, some of you remember this, some of you probably don't, When you had a drill going underneath your desk, remember that? Now you look at those pictures of an atomic bomb going off, and what do you think getting under your desk is going to do? 
That dawned on me a couple of years later. Now, I realize in some circumstances and situations, getting under your desk is going to help. But think about, in our lifetime, some of the events that have happened. Tornadoes, hurricanes, wars, conflicts, tsunamis, volcanoes. I mean, we can just string them along. Terrorists. That it is one world-shaking event after another. And when we have something like the tornadoes happen, it has an impact on us immediately, and we feel it deeply, some of us. And then we move on. And not long from now, another one will take place. Whether it be of a personal nature, or whether it be of a national nature, or an international nature, those world-shaking events come periodically. If we're realistic, we live in a fallen world. The world is not a perfect place in nature. The world is not a perfect place with people. And so people do destructive things and the world has challenges just because it's a fallen place. And we have all these devastations that happen from time to time. Personal losses. If you lose a child or a spouse, how devastating that is. You lose a parent or a friend. See, sometimes when we think of these world events, we think how awful they are, and yet losing an individual in your life is just as devastating. Someone who's close to you, someone you love. In the past two years, I've lost a parent and a best friend. We have things shake our world periodically. And when you come to the reading from Isaiah, that's what Isaiah is experiencing in Isaiah chapter 6. Why do you think he fled to the temple? He fled to the temple because this king, King Uzziah, who may have even been a friend of his, and, and Isaiah's at Jerusalem, which is where the temple is, but he's very aware of what just happened. This king, who for 52 years reigned this nation, with prosperity and peace. Now, I have memories 52 years ago. I know some of you have a hard time believing that. I really do. Some of my earliest memories were 52 years ago. And in fact, it was something that shook our family at that time. And I can't even envision the last 52 years being total peace and prosperity because of what's transpired in my lifetime. That's what Isaiah's experiencing. His world is shaken because he's only known King Uzziah, because he's only known peace and prosperity. And Assyria is looming on the horizon to bring destruction. And he is afraid because his world has changed. 
And so he flees to the temple. Because it's the only place he knows to go that he might have an answer to his dilemma. Because his dilemma just isn't a question of fact. It's a pain in his heart. It's fear in his soul. And his security is totally gone. Because his security has been in an earthly king. And he realized at that moment, this temporal world is not going to provide the answer that I need right now. Because I need something beyond this. And so Isaiah flees to the temple. Now, I don't know how many of you remember right after 9-11. How many people fled to the churches? Right? You know, a month later, a lot of those people who fled to the churches in reaction to that weren't there still. Why? See, because they were looking for a temporary fix. They wanted something to satisfy them right then, right now. They would take care of that need, that hole in their heart. But the problem is, is that what they wanted to hear, what they wanted to experience, was only temporary. Isaiah was open to what the Lord might have to say to him. And I believe he was surprised by what he experienced. Isaiah was touched in a way that didn't just change him for a couple of weeks or a month or even a couple of months. It changed him for the rest of his life. And his security would no longer be something in this world because all you need to do is follow his life and ministry after that and you know that he didn't find security in this world any longer. The answers he was seeking. First of all, He was touched by God's holiness. That's what changed him. You know, when he went to the temple, I mean, most of us, if we sought God on a specific need, once we got this sense in our being, there, there, it's going to be okay, everything's taken care of, it'll be okay down the road, just don't worry about it, just go back to business as usual. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. That may have been what Isaiah wanted to hear. I don't know. I don't think he expected to encounter the living God. I really don't. I think he was used to being around the temple. I think he had maybe some religiousness to his life. But what he encountered in the temple changed his life permanently because he encountered the living God who is holy. And what we're told is His holiness filled the temple. In fact, we're told that the angels were singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Which we say, by the way, every Sunday. And I'm not sure it always has the impact on us that it had on Isaiah. See, if you understand the language, when you say something twice in Hebrew, it means something's important. When you say something three times, it means exceedingly important. That's why Jesus would say sometimes, truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily, if you like King James, I say to you, 
He's saying this is really, really important. You really need to pay attention to this. When you hear, holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty. He's exceedingly holy. His glory filled the temple. It shook the foundations of the temple. And Isaiah knew this is not business as usual. This is different. This is a living God. And he found him in God's holiness. That's what he found. We minimize that today. We don't think of God as a holy God. We think of God as someone who just, ah, you know, no big deal. It doesn't matter how you live. He wants a transformed life. He wants to change life. Because he's a holy God. And that's what Isaiah was open to. So the first thing you see him experience because of this holy God is the conviction of his sin. What does he say? First response. Woe to me. Woe to me. I mean, when you encounter God and you really understand who he is, you realize how you fall short. Now you have a need that you can't deal with. Because we have failures and we have struggles and we have pain in our lives. And we sin. So he says, woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, I don't think it's because he swore told dirty jokes, okay? I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think what he's saying is that what comes out of these lips reveals my soul. Jesus would say, you'll know a tree by its fruit. So he's not talking about swearing or telling dirty jokes. He's talking about what's inside him that comes out. The gossip and the slander and the rage, and the tearing down of the people around us, the people that say we say we love. That's what we're talking about. He's saying this need is a deep need, and it comes out of me because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in a people of unclean lips. That what comes out of us is not holy. It doesn't reflect God's Spirit working in us. Because it's all about me. What I want to do. How I want to live. So Isaiah says, woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Now God doesn't expect us to fix it. God doesn't expect us to earn it. That's not what the life of faith is about. That's not what a transformed life is about. It's not how our lives are changed, in fact. Because what happens next is Isaiah is touched by God's forgiveness. All he says is, woe to me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. The Lord doesn't say, now, you need to get straight what you messed up. Chastisement, judgment, condemnation. That's not what he gets. 
gets God's immediate response. He gets God's action. He has God's grace that washes over him, his mercy, his love. What does he do? Takes a coal from the altar and touches his lips. Now that's symbolic. From the altar, the place of sacrifice, the place where blood is shed so that we might experience the forgiveness of sin. The coal which is hot like fire. And you can see the analogy. For we as Christians have Jesus Christ and His blood shed, His sacrifice for us, so that we understand forgiveness of sin. That we have the fire of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. So what Isaiah is experiencing at this moment is the same thing that we as Christians have access to through Jesus Christ. His death, His sacrifice for our sin. His Holy Spirit, the fire to change us. To have God's Holy Spirit working in us so that we have that fire in our lives. His desire... His desire is for us to experience what Isaiah experienced. That through repentance, through coming to grips with this is a holy God, we don't measure up. We need His forgiveness. And it's immediate. God's just waiting. Because that's the kind of encounter He wants with you. To change your heart, to change your life, to make you one with Him. That's what atonement means, to be one with Him, that we have this intimate relationship. We have this immediate love where we are connected to Him. And business will not go on as usual. We won't return to our life. We will be different than the rest of the world. See, many Christians don't stand out from the rest of the world because we don't understand this. What God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives and change us. So Isaiah is touched deeply and he is transformed. And then he's touched by God's call on his life. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, send me. Send me. Because of what he experienced. This encounter with this holy God. That not only is holy, but Isaiah knows loves him and embraces him through grace and mercy and touches him and forgives him and he knows it deep within himself and he says send me because I'm ready because I understand now that my security no longer rests with this world it's now eternal totally changed his priorities. Because if you know anything about the next few verses, what the Lord says to Isaiah isn't real thrilling if you're a pastor. You're going to be preaching, no one's going to listen to you. You're going to invite them to turn and people aren't going to turn. You're not going to have worldly success. In fact, it's going to be a struggle for you. And Isaiah never, ever 
deviates. Because his security is no longer in the things of this world. He would face resistance from even the most religious people. Allegedly. So his life was full of challenges from that time onward. You know what's interesting is what Isaiah experienced and what the apostles experienced is so similar, if you think about it. Uzziah died. Jesus died. Isaiah fled to the temple. The apostles fled to the upper room, the same place that we have in our gospel reading for today. That in 24 hours from this point in John chapter 16, they would be back in the upper room and they would be saying, we don't know what to do, our world's undone. The one we thought was the Messiah has died. Same. And then what happens? They both experience God's forgiveness. They both experience God's love in a deep way. In both cases, their world that was shaken first by a death was now shaken by something else. Isaiah, the temple was shaken to its foundation by God's glory and God's power. When the stone rolled away, the earth was shaken. And when the Holy Spirit filled that upper room on Pentecost, their world was shaken. Their worlds, both of them were shaken in a different way from this moment on when they encountered the living God. That's what God wants for you. To be transformed. To be changed by His power. By His forgiveness. By His love. That's what He wants for you. In the calendar year in the church, this happens to be Trinity Sunday. You may have picked that up in the collect of the day. Trinity Sunday where we talk about God as Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we have access to the Father and His love through Jesus Christ, who because of His love died on a cross for us, who then ascends and sends us the Holy Spirit so that we have the power to be transformed by His grace. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus died for you. You can receive His sacrifice and know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The living God. Have you experienced that? Do you understand that God doesn't want business as usual? God doesn't want you to reflect the world. God wants you to go into the world as His servant. Much like He said to Isaiah, Whom shall I send? Much like the apostles, their name means the sent ones. He wants to send us into the world because we've encountered the living God and we're changed. We're changed. And we're empowered. This is also Memorial Day weekend. When we remember... Those who have gone before us, who sacrificed their lives so that we might know the freedom that we know. 
What are you doing with that freedom? What are you doing with that freedom? Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you might know freedom from sin and freedom from guilt and free to serve the Lord in His world. What are you doing with that freedom? The freedom that we experience costs someone. His desires that we would understand that. And that we would respond with our lives. That we would know the depth of His holiness and the depth of His love and the depth of our need and the depth of His forgiveness so that we might experience the power of the Holy Spirit and live in this world changed for Him, sent by Him. As we experience this Memorial Day weekend, where we say we remember, I want you to take time and remember those who have laid down their lives for us in this country with thanksgiving. But I also want you to remember Isaiah, what he encountered in the temple. And by the way, Isaiah understood from afar the Trinity. Because if you go to Isaiah chapter 9, you see the passage we have of the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then you go on to Isaiah 40 through 53, and you see the servant passages where he understood that this Messiah would come and suffer. And throughout the book of Isaiah, you see the Holy Spirit. So what Isaiah experienced from afar and saw the promise and knew in his heart because of his encounter with the living God, the apostles experienced it changed their world and they changed this world because of their response to God's call. And everything the apostles experienced, we have access to today. The cross of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Your world will be shaken again. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow or next week, but your world will be shaken again by something that happens out there or something that happens to you personally. What are you relying on? Who are you relying on? For now and for all eternity. Because you have an invitation from Him to encounter the living God to experience His forgiveness and to be called in relationship with Him as your security for all eternity. Please bow with me in prayer. you're bowing before the Lord. We will end this service later on this morning in silence with something that is called the echo taps. I invite you to remain 
in your pew and to listen silently. To remember the price that was paid for you for your freedom and for being free from sin in Jesus Christ. And I invite you, if you're led, following the service, to come to the rail. And if you've never really known Jesus as your Savior and Lord, known that freedom, I invite you to come and wait there for someone to pray with you. To know that you've had an encounter with the living God and to be changed forever and know his security for all eternity. Lord God, we thank you for this Memorial Day weekend. We thank you for a time to pause, to remember, to reflect. And Lord, each person here has experienced their world shaken at one time or another and will again. Lord, help us not to rely on things temporal, but to rely on you for our security, for our strength, for our peace. Help us to know that we this morning have encountered the living God, holy and loving, who embraces us and forgives us. And help us when we go from this place to live with your call on our lives and to walk with that security that we have through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, Lord, help this truth to be real for our lives. In the name of the Father, in the cross of the Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.